You're listening to the Geek Watch Podcast, Episode 62, Giving Hellboy Hell. This is the Geek Watch Podcast with Brian Hatcher and Dandy Petrie. Greetings, Geek Watchers, and welcome to episode 62 of the Geek Watch Podcast. I'm Brian Hatcher, and with me, as always, Geek Watch's own resident geek goddess, Mandy Petrie. Buenos dias, Brian. Well, we got a little bit of catch-up to do. Mm-hmm. We're definitely going to be talking about The Walking Dead, the last two episodes of The Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. And we've got some movie news this week. So let's go ahead and start out with that. Captain Marvel. It broke a billion dollars, finally. Look at the surprise on my face. (laughs) (laughs) Well, for everyone out there that was worried that uh, it might not break that billion-dollar mark, yes, it's now in the Billionaire's Club. So, no surprise there. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was very well received, although, of course, there were people on the internet going, oh, this is going to be what destroys the Marvel movies, but uh, not quite at all. Well, everything that I heard, you know, from people who had seen it, all the problems were just so little and nitpicky. The fact is that it was a great movie. Oh, yeah, It was yeah, good absolutely. story, you know, uh, great characters, and we loved them all. And, and if you didn't watch it because you had heard all these things or you were upset about it not being the original Marvel or whatever, and, uh, you know, you just really you just missed a great movie. Right. And, of course, we talked about it uh, on one of the podcasts. And, uh, of course, there were some people online that were giving it grief for different reasons. Uh, and this, of course, was before anybody had seen the film. And, of course, we, when we talked about it, th- there were some nitpicky things that I had about it. But, I mean, certainly nothing that, that ruined my enjoyment of the film. And it's still out there. So if you haven't seen it yet, folks, uh, definitely go out and check it. Check it out. So definitely good news there. But, of course, not everything is good in Hollywood, so we're going to have to bring up the Hellboy issue. Hellboy's going to be coming out this week, mm-hmm. so obviously I haven't seen it yet. Uh, there's a few movies I haven't caught up with, and we'll we'll definitely talk about them when I do catch up with them. But, uh, yeah, um, Hellboy right now is at 13% at Rotten Tomatoes. Wow, yeah. It, it was at 11 It's kicked up a couple, but... There's been a lot of a lot of talk about this movie, and of course I was shocked because I thought this was, I mean, the pedigree that they had in this film yeah. with the actors and, of course, the the writers and everything else. Yeah, I, I expected a home run, but I read this article in the wrap about that there were some issues behind the scenes, which may have something to do with some of the issues that have come up in the film. Now, like I said, I haven't seen it yet. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know, of course, you haven't seen no. it either. It's still, I think it's just now coming out in theaters when we're recording. But apparently, according to the rap, there was issues between the director, Neil Marshall, and uh, two of the producers, Lawrence Gordon and Lloyd Levin. Now, all of them have a real serious pedigree. Because you, you look at, like... Uh, like Marshall and Sam uh, McCurdy, which is his cinematographer. Of course, they've had a long history working together. They're mostly known for, or at least to me, that they collaborated on Blackwater, which is one of the best-reviewed Game of Thrones episodes. And so they're definitely strong in that area. And then when you look at uh, Lawrence Gordon and Lloyd Levin, well, Gordon, of course, he owns the film rights to Hellboy, and Levin's worked on films like Boogie Nights 
and he was he worked on the two previous Hellboy films. And Levin and Gordon are working together on Damon Lim, uh, uh, Lindelof's Watchmen adaptation for, uh, for, for HBO. HBO. Okay. For HBO. So both sides, I, I mean, working together, you're talking, I mean, they're going to hit a home run. But apparently they weren't working together. Yeah. Now, nobody's really talking. I mean, in the rap article, there were people behind the scenes that were f- giving them this information, although they asked not to be named because they felt like if if anybody knew they had been talking out of school, they could get in some serious... Whistleblowers. Yeah, yeah, they might get into some serious trouble. So nobody in this group is really saying a whole lot about what's going on, but some of the things that they were saying was, well, first of all, Sam McCurdy... The cinematographer was fired, and the word was he was fired because uh, this was basically a message to Neil Marshall to say, look, you may be the director, but we run the show, and that he was fired to make a statement. Whether that's true or not, of course, I don't know, but that's one of the things that they mentioned. There were three different people that, that went to the rap and, met, and said that Levin interrupted Marshall frequently in front of the crew uh, when Marshall was trying to rehearse actors sometimes giving him different directions than the director was giving him. Now, Singer's attorney disputed that. In fact, quote, Mr. Levin would speak to Neil Marshall after rehearsals and discuss issues with him at that time. And then there was some, something else that was mentioned. Two different insiders said that uh, Harbour were repeatedly walked off the set. That that's David Harbour, who plays Hellboy, said he, he was repeatedly walking off the set, refusing Marshall's request to do more takes. Which uh, I guess uh, Singer was saying, uh, Singer's uh, is Harbor's uh, agent and lawyer, and said, "No, that didn't, that never happened." In fact, uh, Dave Harbor was like 110 percent all the time. Yeah, I just can't imagine. Well, not that it couldn't happen, okay, but in Hellboy, in the makeup, I mean, to just walk off set, he wouldn't just be hurting the filming crew. He would be hurting the entire production crew. He'd be hurting the makeup artist. Right. But not only that, he would have to go back to the makeup trailer to get that removed properly. Right. And it's not ta- something you could do yourself. Right. And and the thing about it is, of course, once you take that stuff off, you know, it takes you hours to put it back on. Mm-hmm. So, so, I mean, you in killed- a practical manner, this doesn't sound like a true story. Well, yeah. I mean, Dave Harbour would have to be like the biggest jerk in the world to do that. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't sound, I mean, that doesn't sound right to me. I, he didn't sound like that. But again, this is a lot of he said, he said, she said, you mm-hmm. know, we, we don't know. Also, in the article, it said two insiders were saying that the uh, script was being rewritten constantly. And, I mean, there's there's rewrites that happen in production. That's just something natural. But they're saying that uh, Harbor was doing re, uh, rewrites and McShane was doing rewrites on, on the script. Really? Yeah. But at the same time, then, but their representatives say no, they weren't doing rewrites. Mm-hmm. So again, you're getting this. He said, "I just that's not something I've ever heard about Ian McShane in any production he has ever done." Right. Uh, you know, he was he it was a big thing. Like when he guest starred on Game of Thrones, how he spoiled his character, and you know he didn't you know give a crap about that or right. anything. So, but uh, as far as you know, objecting to scripts or anything like that or making changes, I just can't. I just yeah. can't see that. Now I'll tell you. The one thing I read in the article that seemed like the weirdest thing to get into a fight about, there was a, an issue with a tree. Mm-hmm. And I, I, this may be the tree that you see in the trailer. But apparently there was this big, big argument 
about what the tree should look like. Marshall wanted a uh, a realistic looking asymmetrical tree, but Levin over overruled him. Said he wanted a symmetrical tree, and so they filmed the symmetrical tree. But apparently. They fought back and forth over it. That well, they filmed the symmetrical tree, and then some uh, in post production they made it asymmetrical again. It's like, well, that kind of just sounds like a a pissing contest at yeah. that point of time. Now I do know. Okay, for example, going back to Game of Thrones, George R. R. Martin uh, has said, you know, what we see as the Iron Throne is not what he envisions in his books that it's it wasn't made by artisans or craftsmen it was made by blacksmiths it's asymmetrical it's sharp it's dangerous it's not comfortable at all right but he understood that for the production they were going to be moving around and everything that this was a much more practical throne to have so he understood the difference now i don't know what significance the tree has you know it's not waiting for gato so i don't know what hellboy's (laughs) relation to the tree is going to be yeah well i mean if this again i i can't verify any of the any of these stories but if people are arguing about the tree i mean there's obviously this is in a sense it's a metaphor for something else that's going on I mean, obviously, you're not going to get into a pissing match about the tree. I mean, regardless of how important it is to the story, symmetrical, asymmetrical, it doesn't seem like it's that big of a deal to me. But again, you know, if you're in the middle of a fight, that might be the hill you, you know, you're emotional. That's kind of a hill you you might think to dive on. Now, I'm not going to lie, Brian. I have been a part of stage productions where... A tree has been that big a deal in the production where there was fights between the director and the set constructor. And it was quite a battle of wills. And (laughs) um, we actors kind of sit on the side. We really can't uh, do anything about it. So uh, I could see that. (laughs) I guess that's that's certainly a possibility. But Mm -hmm. there was one other thing that I remember in the article. And that was Neil Marshall had his cut, his director's cut. And he turned it in. And apparently he didn't have right for final cut in the film. And so apparently the producers went in and they just Ooh. they had their their had their way with it. It's so. gonna make an interesting Blu-ray. Yeah, that possibly. Mm-hmm. But it it breaks my heart because right now all we really have are are the reviews. But the reviews are almost always bad for uh, Hellboy. The ones that I've read, most of what I've read in the reviews are you know Dave Harbor and Hellboy are great. Mm-hmm. It's the only great part of the movie. Oh. Apparently, everything else is pretty bad. And I'm still going to see it because I don't feel like I personally could talk about it unless I've seen it. Mm. But I'm hoping that this is one of those situations where maybe the critics don't get it and the fans love it. Mm-hmm. But it's going to have a hard time. I mean, Shazam is doing really, really well. And you've got right after that, you've got Pet Cemetery that's doing its second place. But it's also doing really well. Mm-hmm. Of course... When we were talking about Captain Marvel, I mentioned, you know, you've got Hellboy coming up right after it, that that might knock it off, knock Shazam out of there. Mm -hmm. But apparently that's not going to be the case because Shazam is doing extremely well. Mm -hmm. Another movie I've yet to see, but I've been hearing some really, really good things about it. And with its second week, it just might be too well established and too strong. And especially with the reviews that Hellboy is getting, this might not do well. Mm, That's upsetting. I'm a big fan of the Hellboy films. Guillermo del Toro, of course, he did amazing things with that character. I know this is a new production, but the thing about it, too, is that New Line really needs this film to do well, 
because they've been having issues. And if it doesn't, that's going to be a real blow to the, you know, to the company. But I guess we'll just have to see what happens this weekend and uh, we'll take it from there. Well, let's go back to some good news, mm-hmm. especially for for Dave Harbour. Even if um, Hellboy doesn't do well, the next movie that he's uh, shooting is probably going to do really well. Because uh, I saw news that he's going to be in the new Black Widow movie. Uh-huh. So, so he's going to have a couple of comic book movies under him. Nice. Yeah. So mm-hmm. Black Widow starts shooting in June. Okay. And... It's going to be a bit of a departure for the Marvel Cinematic Universe because it's supposed to be R-rated. Yeah. Which, when you look at Black Widow's history, I can see that. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be a a real step off of the uh, off the cliff for them because <laughs> they're not they're not used to that kind of thing. Of course, with them bringing uh, Fox on, you know, with the merger, well, with all the success that Fox has had with their R-rated films it looks like something that that disney's willing to embrace in fact on disney's page they've got a picture of deadpool on their <laughs> on their front page so they're not ashamed of the r-rated films that they apparently they're going to be that they've inherited that they've inherited <laughs> that they're going to be willing to support and i think i think black widow is going to be their ability to kind of step into that world and i think that they're going to be able to do really well with it honestly i saw that they've got an interesting director uh, kate shortland she directed a film a few years ago called Lore, and that's about it that I can think of. Interesting film, definitely. Mm-hmm. And so bringing her in, of course, that's the thing about Disney. They're kingmakers and queenmakers when it comes to directors. They have a really good talent. Kevin Feige just has this ability to spot talent. So I, I suspect that she's going to be able to do a really good job with this film. I'm going to be really interested to see what she does with it. And so we're probably going to be seeing seeing Black Widow next year and to start up Phase 4. Because, of course, with the uh, Endgame, that's going to be about the end of Phase 3. That's going to be their cutoff. Mm-hmm. And let me kind of step off a little bit with to talk about Endgame for a little bit. Because we're about to see that really soon. Mm-hmm. One thing I th- that was interesting, of course, is, of course, we're going to have Captain Marvel in this film. And... I didn't realize this, but apparently Brie Larson filmed Endgame before she filmed Captain Marvel. Oh, really? So some people have seen the film. They said, you know, you can kind of tell a little bit she's still trying to figure out who that character is. Mm -hmm. And she spends Endgame figuring out how to play the character that she ultimately played in Captain Marvel. Okay. I guess we'll see that when yeah. we when we see it, but you know she kind of developed the character in Endgame, and we're going to see that uh, in that film. We'll we'll see that development. We just got like a couple of weeks, mm-hmm. so we're deaf. Right, close. Know. Yeah, I've got a lot of films to catch up on before mm-hmm. then, though, for sure. I mean, I still haven't seen Shazam yet. I haven't seen mm-hmm. Us yet, or Pet Cemetery. I haven't seen, seen Pet, any of these. I haven't either. seen any of those yet, uh, and because uh, I was, of course, dealing with other things. Mm-hmm. But oh, me too. It's been a busy couple weekends like yes my nibblings prom was last weekend so i had yes, all I that saw to that. deal with yeah. yes i saw <laughs> that so so we definitely got some catch-up to do and and uh hopefully uh we can get our plates cleared because certainly when uh end game sh- uh, right. arrives i mean we're going to be ready for that mm-hmm. uh, i did see kevin feige said no intermission okay I guess he's worried about it breaking the momentum mm-hmm. of the film. So wear adult diapers or don't drink anything. Yeah, or or, or bring your plastic urinal. Yeah. You know, I actually saw something. Somebody on Facebook did a Photoshop of one of those plastic urinals mm-hmm. with the 
the Endgame logo on it. You mm, know, they the, should. They should sell those up front. Yeah, there you go. Yep. So, um, you know, go to the bathroom first, folks. Definitely. It's it's like a road trip. <laughs> yeah. Let's let's talk uh, DC uh, for just a little bit. Of course, you know, we got James Gunn who's doing um, doing Suicide Squad too, and then of course. Then he goes back to Marvel. Strange, but uh, of course we, you know, come to think of it, I don't know if we ever on the podcast mentioned that Disney hired him back, but yeah, they did. Yeah, they did. He's- Just in case you guys didn't know, or you were sitting there wondering, <laughs> Surprise. Didn't, yeah, or you were wondering why the heck didn't Brian bring that up? Didn't uh, talk about it. Yeah, mm-hmm. but yeah, they're bringing him back, uh, and he'll start working on that after he's done with Suicide Squad too. But some weird news came out is that they're cutting Deadshot out of the movie. They're not going to have Deadshot anymore, but they're not getting rid of Idris Elba, though. Do you think maybe that was their plan all along and it just got a rumor that he was going to be Deadshot? No, I, because they, they said they, they were hiring him as Deadshot. Okay. So mm-hmm. apparently they've decided to rework it in some some way, and he's going to be playing some other character. I'm not sure who. They haven't mentioned it. Hmm. But yeah, I mean, if you got you know Idris Elba on contract you don't let him go i mean even <laughs> you know have him doing something in your film of course at this point we don't know what that is but this strange movie is getting stranger as we go along yeah. so i guess once we know of course we'll we'll let uh, all the geek watchers out there know and speaking of like dc to marvel you know we've had a couple like ben affleck or marvel to dc michael keaton and now we see that uh michelle pfeiffer is interested in playing catwoman again yeah, I saw that. That is, that's, I'm completely happy with that. Oh, I am, yeah. I have no problem with that whatsoever. Oh, yeah, I would, I would love to mm-hmm. see her step into that again. So, see, Eartha Kitt was always my favorite cat woman. She yeah. didn't get it very long, but Michelle Pfeiffer's right up there. You know, oh, yeah. she was amazing. Oh, yeah, I'd love to see what she would do with that maybe, role again. Maybe she got the bug again after she uh, did Ant Man uh, and, and the Wasp. Wasp. So maybe she's like, huh, maybe comic book movies is where it's at. I'm going to get back in there. There you go. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I mean, let's face it. Her portrayal of Catwoman was iconic. Iconic. Absolutely. I mean, she held her own with some heavyweights in that film. I mean, Mm -hmm. you got Danny DeVito. You had Christopher Walken. You know, it was a pretty solid cast. And again, you know, she was one of the best things about that film, certainly. Mm -hmm. So... Well, let's end up, we've got a a couple of episodes of The Walking Dead, the last two episodes, so we can start out with episode uh, 15, The Calm Before. Calm Before. That was, uh, that was not fun to watch. It it wasn't easy, and I guess now, you know, it's been a couple weeks, so I've managed to get over the shock of it. Yeah. And, you know, like, you've been reminding me that it's going to be like the Red Wedding right up until it, and then, you know, when it does happen, it's just... Oh, it is just heartbreaking. Yeah. Well, uh, a little bit of a spoiler for the comic. Of course, in the comic book, when they had the Pikes, there were 13 people on the Pikes. (laughs) And two of the people that were on the Pikes in the comics, Rosita was one of them, and and King Ezekiel was the other, was one of the other ones. Mm -hmm. And I was wondering if they were going to do that uh, in the TV show. Now, the thing about it is they didn't, obviously. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think that's a great move because we've talked about the cast now. It's kind of thinned out a little bit. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, I don't think they could really have afforded to get rid of Rosita or King Ezekiel. Mm-mm. And I'm glad they didn't uh, right. and felt like they needed to be a little. To, I mean, th- what happened was enough of a shock as it was because I think there's only 10 people. Right. But again, you need to have those characters in there, I, I think. And sparing them in this situation, I think, worked. 
they're some of the most human storylines in, you know, our world where it has become just us versus them battle. But then we still have these love triangles and the baby mama drama kind of stuff. We still have those. And it's important to show that they're still human. Right. That, that they still have, you know, they still have the same struggles as we do, even in this, you know, harsh world. Oh, yeah. But uh, let's talk, we will, let's talk a little bit about the 10 that did wind up making the uh, Vlad Dracul Hall of Fame. Uh, see, I was thinking uh, Lord of the Flies. Yeah, Lord of the yeah. Flies. They started out by showing us Ozzy and Alec, which were the highwaymen, the, highwaymen, mm-hmm. the, the lead highwayman and the, and the second in command. They didn't kill any of the other highwaymen off. No. I thought there was going to be some real slaughter involved there. Yeah, and that's disappointing because I really liked I really liked the highwaymen. They were they were fun. They yeah. Were, mm-hmm. Well, I, we may see some more of them, but yeah, Ozzy especially, I really enjoyed him, and I was mm-hmm. afraid. I, I was afraid when I saw the highwaymen. I think we talked about this before that they were going to be the red shirts, mm-hmm. but it surprised me they didn't. You know, they didn't kill all of them. I thought there was going to be that scene. Uh, but uh, it turned out that they were a little bit more sneaky. It, it wasn't a full frontal assault. They mm-hmm. kind of they kind of sneaked Gorilla. in. Gorilla, yeah, yeah. And I mean, especially with Alpha, you know, basically killing that woman and cutting and basically scalping Taking her, so her hair and so yes. he could wear it as a wig. Uh, that was that was extremely disturbing. Mm-hmm. But of course, we also on the Pike we had DJ, which some people may not remember him. He was one of the saviors. Uh, there was one episode, I'm trying to remember what the name of the episode was, where Maggie uh, was bringing food to the saviors, paying their tribute, and he mm-hmm. takes one of the tomatoes out and eats it. That was DJ, and uh, he he was on the pike. And then Frankie, the redhead, was one of Negan's wives. She and, I'm trying to remember who the other one was, they were the ones that... They wanted Eugene to make the... The pill, mm-hmm. yeah. Yes. And she was out of there. She only showed up like, uh, I mean, like DJ, you'd see him on occasion in the background, you know, at Hilltop. Mm-hmm. And we, of course, hadn't seen Frankie in forever. Of course, we you notice her when Henry asked her, you know, if she'd seen Enid, um, had uh, seen Lydia. Mm-hmm. Uh, that had been the first time I'd seen her in forever. And I'm like, oh, that's not good. Because mm-hmm. if they're just bringing her back in, I, she may have been in the background in a f- few places, but mm-hmm. I, I didn't notice. But then we start getting to some people that they've been developing over the last season. Of course, Tammy Rose, who was played by Brett Butler. Yeah. I had a feeling she was she was going to be one of them. And oh. yeah, and that's a shame. Yeah. What a great character. Yeah, man, and she took she had no problem. She took that baby and she said, "I'm I'm going to take care of this baby." Yeah, and it, again, looking in the future and ripping families apart. It's whew. <laughs> Yeah. Well, you know, she Literally too good for this world, I guess. <laughs> and then, of course, we wind up seeing Rodney and, and Addie, two of the uh, three troubled children of Hilltop. I had a feeling that, that they might wind up costing them. Of course, the leader of that of that pack wound up unscathed. But uh, Addie, especially, because she was an interesting character. They hadn't really started to develop yet. I kind of wanted to see see maybe something happen with, you know, maybe a sort of like a, a triangle with mm-hmm. her and Henry and uh, and Lydia. Of course, that's not going to happen. Nope. Enid, that was a bit of a shock for me. Yeah. I had I, I suspected that it was either going to be her or her boyfriend uh-huh. for mm-hmm. Aiden. It was going to be either her or Aiden. I, I thought it was going to be Aiden. I really did. Mm-hmm. But... No, they um they decided to go for the jugular on that one, and yeah, the Enid that was that was a real shock. 
Tara was Tara was the biggest shock for me. I yeah. could not believe it. That I, I, I wasn't expecting. And from what I understand, it was something that not a lot of people on the on the show was expecting. This was one of those shock calls. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, you get the call. Yeah, we're going to kill you this season. And mm-hmm. th- that happened. Now, of course, that uh, was, the, of course, the biggest shock for me was the last one. Mm-hmm. And they really played it off for people who wa- who read the comics. They really wanted you to think it was going to be King Ezekiel. And I thought it was going to be King Ezekiel. And then when they cut to it, you see it's Henry. Mm-hmm. And I did not expect that at all. If for no other reason is that Henry was, and we talked about this mm-hmm. before, Henry was going to be... The new Carl. The new Carl. Yeah, and take and, over his storylines. Exactly, right? from mm-hmm. the comics. And they got rid of him. So now we don't have a Carl. Mm-hmm. And so all that storyline's kind of gone gone out the window. And... I don't think they should have done King Ezekiel. I think they they definitely need him in mm-hmm. the show. And keeping him around, I think, is going to help the show in the long run. Mm-hmm. But Henry up there, I did not expect to see that at all. But that was certainly a gut punch to Carol, obviously. Yep. It's like, it's not... <laughs> yeah, all the memes of, you know, showing her, uh, you know, look at the flowers, Lizzie, and... and um, yeah. And Sophia coming out of the barn, and now, you know, Henry's head on a pike, and it's just... Yeah, I mean, Carol, Carol's not good for kids, I think. <laughs> but, of course, that was that was going to be the setup for, um, for the next episode. But there was so much friendliness and togetherness and lots of good feelings in this, and then they end it yeah. uh, with what... I mean, with that, and, of course, you know, that, that one scene with Alpha and uh, Daryl... Which in the comics, of course, that was Rick, uh, not Daryl, but Daryl's kind of taken over in that. Mm-hmm. But basically seeing how deep uh, Alpha's bench runs, that was horrendous. It's like thousands upon thousands of walkers at their beck and call that they can just send as an army. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the thing about it is, you know, eventually they're going to pull the trigger on this one. And what are our friends going to do about that? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they're going to go the comics route. I don't want to really spoil the comics or, you know, or even do a spoiler for the show if this is the route they go. But they obviously have not heard the last of the whispers. Right. Even though they've sort of has have this truce that's going on right now, I don't see it lasting. Mm-mm. Nope. So, but let's go ahead and talk a little bit about uh, episode 16 then, The Storm. storm. Which was our, our introduction to snow. Mm-hmm. And apparently one of the worst storms that they've had. This wasn't just a, a bad snowstorm. This was a horrendous snowstorm. Mm-hmm. And with everything else that uh, our heroes have had to deal with, of course, you know, the pipes breaking, which, you know, was heartbreaking, obviously, mm-hmm. because they'd sent Henry to the hilltop to learn smithing to help fix those pipes. That was... Yeah. The kingdom is a character itself. Yeah. And... It took the hardest blow. Yeah, it that, certainly did. That in the fact that even the structures could not hold their home anymore. Right. That they just, it's like this inanimate place just gave up, just like the people did. Yeah. It's like, we're, we're done. Our family has been hurt beyond belief. Yeah. And we're done. And especially since that was where the fair was. Mm-hmm. And so... The kingdom committed suicide. Yeah, in a real sense. <laughs> mm-hmm. And... Of course, now they're they're at Hilltop, 
and uh, you know they may wind up going back to the in the spring and try to fix things. We don't know, but of course you had this horrible snowstorm coming. They've got to get out of there. They've got to make it to Hilltop. So there's that that time element, and they're trying to make it to Hilltop. And of course Rick's Bridge is not there, so it's it's going to take them longer. They hole up in the in sanctuary, sanctuary yeah. for a little bit. Of course, uh, they figure out that because they don't have enough food, they're going to have to violate the truce and do the shortcut through, mm-hmm. through uh, Whisperer territory. Um, they're very fortunate because the Whispers didn't stick around. They went south for the winter. They they, went, they migrated. They migrated, mm-hmm. which was a smart thing to do. And it's what they said. That's what the Whispers have said. We're animals now. Yeah. You know, and we, we're a pack. And right. we have alphas and betas, and like I said, we're we're the pack now. We're animals. Right. So. They definitely did the smart thing, and that, that really helped our friends out in the kingdom because, obviously, they didn't need to have to deal with that kind of crap. So they might, might manage to get away with it. But, of course, there were problems. Lydia desperately wanted to die, tried to kill herself more than once, tried to get Carol to kill her once. Mm-hmm. You know, and I mean, that survivor guilt was definitely strong with her. I mean, definitely something she's going to have to, at this point, learn to live with. But that's kind of like also where we get to see that we we know Carol's still there. She's a broken woman, but she's still Carol who burns shit. Yeah. And she'll be able to go on and like, this is a time where something didn't need burned. This is a time where something needed built. Yeah. And she just, you know, pretty much laid it out. You know, kid, get your shit together. Yeah. And and let's go. Yeah. Well, the real shame of it, of course, is that, at least for now, uh, her and Ezekiel are, are no longer together. I think Carol just basically needs this time to figure out where to go. You know, what what's next for her? I, I like that coupling, and I hope that it, we're not seeing the last of it. But I guess, of course, that's going to be season 10 to explain. Now, the one thing, of course, about episode 16 and Alexandria is... Of course, we had Judith running off to save Dog, mm-hmm. and Negan steps up to the plate and saves her. Yep. Which, I have to say, I, I'm not going to say that surprised me. No, it's not surprising. The, I, I do have to say this as a writer. Sometimes I, I, I ship people for writer reasons, not necessarily because I think they're good for each other. I always, I always say that anything that you put into a story should be something that helps advance the narrative and can help create conflict because conflict is the engine that drives story and so as as the writer side of this not saying that this you know this is necessarily something i'm looking that i would want to have happen because i think this would just be cool i just think it would drive a lot of stuff in the story but i have to admit that for a little while i've been shipping negan and michonne uh nishon is that what it's called what's their ship name negon maybe negon uh nishon i think sounds better (laughs) I, i don't know and not because I think the two should be together necessarily, or I think that you know that the fans are just asking for it, mm-hmm. but specifically because obviously the conflict and the trouble, especially if Maggie were to come back, <laughs> mm. uh, of how much narrative that story would drive. Now, of course, it's kind of Richard the Third there, yeah, uh, yeah, because Richard the Third immediately marries the woman that he he killed her wife. So uh, that's kind of. Yeah. Yeah. The thing about it is I thought that it, you know, if if that was something like that was going to happen, Judith was going to be the pathway to it. Is that Negan would he would do this daring rescue. 
that would be sort of the lead in for maybe the two of them starting to get together. Now, obviously that's not going to happen with the fact that Denai Gaera is getting ready to leave the show. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking part of what they're developing here is somebody's going to have to be watching Judith if she's gone, if if they're not ta- if if Michonne's not taking Judith with her. Mm-hmm. If she's leaving for whatever reason, uh, Judith needs somebody to watch for, to take care of her, and that may be Negan. And, well, also, Alexandria's going to need a leader, and they know that Negan can do it. I mean, they hate his guts. You know, he's sitting in there, you know, <laughs> laughing at Gabriel and Rosita and, you know, yeah. and just making everyone miserable. But they know that he's good at what he does, and they know that he can be ruthless like Alpha. Yeah. So, really, I mean, if... Negan plus Carol up against Alpha. I'm going to go with Negan and Carol every time. Yeah. So um, that's what they're going to need to go up against this threat. Yeah. Well, we'll definitely see uh, season 10, what's going to happen there. From what I understand, Michonne's not going to play a huge role in season 10. She's going to, they're going to kind of put her in the background a little bit until it's time to get rid of her. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping they don't kill her off. But from what I've been hearing, she's going to going to be showing up in the rick grimes movies excellent so the so. helicopter is going to come get her rick jr and take him off i don't know yeah maybe mm-hmm. i mean maybe maybe rj mm-hmm. uh or again you know uh he might be staying behind uh along with judith and negan takes care of both of them mm-hmm. that's possible but again you know we got a long wait till October. Yep. Because Octo- it's October 2nd, I think, is going to be okay. the start of season 10. And oh boy, they, okay. they're definitely going to have a lot to, mm-hmm. a lot to build on this. And it'll be interesting to see what happens. But of course, uh, in October, we'll be talking about it when, yep. when we definitely see it. And so with that, we come to the end of episode 62 of the Geek Watch podcast. Thank you for listening and tune in next week for the latest in geek news and views with the Geek Watch podcast. For Mandy Petrie, this is Brian Hatcher reminding all the Geek Watchers out there, we're all geeky about something. Be proud of yours. See you next time. Thank you for listening to the Geek Watch podcast. If you enjoyed this program, don't forget to like and subscribe on your preferred platform and share this podcast on your social media. For links to all the ways you can listen to the Geek Watch podcast, as well as leave comments and suggestions, visit our website at geekwatch.net. The Geek Watch podcast is a Hanging J production.